Welcome to the Blockchain Hustle, where I take a look at some interesting plays of how blockchain technology is opening up new business vistas across multiple industries. Transfer of land records, verification of the university credentials, the provenance or the track and trace of drugs in the pharmaceutical supply chain, claims verification, and the disbursement approvals of fertilizer subsidies. Now, these are four pilot projects, the POCs of which have been initiated by Niti Aayog. Niti Aayog is a policy think tank of the Indian government. Additionally, the Electoral Commission of the world's largest democracy has also recently started work on developing a blockchain system to allow the voters registered in any part of the country they are able to exercise their franchise even after they move cities. Something which has always been quite a pain in the rear. So I think it would be pretty interesting to watch how this pans out. Hi everyone, this is your host Meenu Sareen with the seventh episode of the Blockchain in Public Sector series. Now unlike the previous couple of episodes where I shared an implementation outline, or a working overview of a few blockchain programs implemented in Europe, I'm not going to do the same for the ones in India. Rather, I will share some key learnings from the projects which have been pursued by Niti Aayog, this Indian think tank, which I think can be most valuable. The infographic on state-wise public sector blockchain initiatives, it's available in the NASCOM India Blockchain Report 2019 for those who are interested. Plus, there are reports from Niti Aayog, PwC, Deloitte, amongst others. So let's roll with the learnings. Now, the learnings from the projects which are pursued by Niti Aayog. The first one, and this is in no order of priority, the first one that I cite is a single source of truth. Ensuring the sanctity of the blockchain data as the single source of truth at the blockchain implementation time. And this was especially brought to the fore in the land transaction use cases. Now, while a clear land titling has always been a contentious uh, issue globally, it is more pronounced in India. And as we say, there is no point in touting immutable data or an immutable transaction as a plus point if there is no single source of truth. So you remember, garbage in, garbage out. Hence, we need a single source of truth when we are talking about a blockchain implementation. And this has to be done at the start itself. The second one is on a clear shared view of the requirements for the requisite project success and outcomes. Now, processes may require changes. There are implementation costs, and uh, most of the costs are non-recurring. However, keep in mind that this can be an adoption block for some stakeholders. So it's always nice, it always helps if you have a clear shared view of the requirements for the requisite project success and the outcomes. An example here was in a track and trace project in the pharma drug supply chain. The usage of the blockchain in this context, in this POC, the usage required a three-tiered QR code on the drug packaging. Now, this was something which was not required previously in the supply chain. 
mainly in the domestic trade of the drugs, of the medicines. Hence, incorporating a blockchain here required some extra steps in the process. And this was mostly manual. So from the stakeholders perspective, it posed several challenges. And this would not be very conducive when you're starting on a new platform, a new technology and a new project. So a clear shared view of requirements for the requisite project success and outcomes is another learning. The next one I have here is the integration with the legacy systems. Now, integration of the legacy systems is not a choice, but it is a given requirement for the adoption at scale. Now, you may find several pilot use cases which are built around some aspects of specific processes. But when they go for large scale adoption, they would fail. They usually fail. And this is mainly due to their inability to work along with the existing and the usually complex legacy systems. So it is pretty important to develop the capability to integrate with the legacy systems. We need to keep this in mind right at the onset. So given the predominance of the legacy systems, keep this in mind, unless of course you do not wish to move beyond the sandbox projects. As an example, uh, if I were to revert back to the pharma track and trace example. Now to get a unified view of how the drugs move in a supply chain or how they're moving in the supply chain, the blockchain platform had to be integrated with the existing supply chain management or your enterprise resource planning system, the ERP system. Plus certain points of the blockchain platforms, they were unable to handle the low latency IoT, the Internet of Things inputs. So in the pilot, the tech partner used a number of enterprise application adopters, adapters, sorry, which were as a part of an integration cloud. And it aided for, or it facilitated the smooth ingestion of data into the blockchain. A software middle layer was basically created for getting this IoT data so that uh, instead of the entire data coming into the blockchain, you pass on only significant events into the blockchain platform. So if we were not taking care of, or if we did not have in mind that it has to integrate with the existing systems, we would not talk about having uh, uh, this discussion about how can I take in all this IoT data. So remember that right at the onset, we need to have it integrated with the legacy systems. And how do I go, go about it? Keep this in mind right at the inception. The next one is the, is the limitation of smart contracts. Now, smart contracts have their own set of legal challenges, like legal recognition, enforcement, liabilities, in case of a breach, etc. However, in addition to all these, there is another challenge and that is of trying to distill the complete understanding between the mutual parties into a computer code. Now, smart contracts are as much of special, uh, sorry, social tools as the legal instruments. And uh, a recommendation here from Niti Aayog was that devise a hybrid contractual model with some smart contract clauses acting as a supplement. Remember that it acts as a supplement to the readily available traditional contractual documents. So I think in this perspective, we do not start with just a yes or a no, a kind of a binary solution. 
let's start with something as a hybrid model and it would facilitate the adoption of the blockchain and then you would be able to appreciate much better what and how the blockchain can be leveraged so that's the one on the limitation of smart contracts Another one is on the suitability of the atomic versus the non-atomic transactions. Not all transactions are equally suitable for blockchain applications. So we do not just start with a premise, hey, I have some data or I have some transactions and I would like to put it into blockchain just because that's the, you know, the fad of the year or so. Remember, not all transactions are equally suitable for this application. And it has been seen through the several POC projects and also the ones which have gone into the uh, project stage, uh, real uh, project stage, that it's seen that the finite life transactions are more suited for blockchain than others. Now, when I say finite life, I mean something like, say, the supply chain transactions, where you secure an origination and there's a final dissemination of an item. And it is uh, unlike the others, like registries, etc., which require a significant effort towards ensuring that before you put these records onto a blockchain, they have to be dispute free. They have to be 100% correct. Uh, it has to be a single source of truth. So not that these transactions cannot be put onto blockchain, but it is just that which transactions are more suitable for the blockchain applications. And that is the reason why we see that blockchain has taken a much better adoption rate in supply chain transactions. The next one that I have here is on the initial cost of implementation. Now, one common finding across the public sector blockchain projects is that they have used private or permissioned blockchain networks. Very rarely do you find something like a fully public blockchain project or a network, sorry, there in the blockchain project. And this is especially true in the initial implementations. Hence, the initial infra cost has to be borne by the businesses themselves. Now, while the major chunk here is a non-recurring cost, because the network maintenance and the transaction costs, etc., figure in later as a recurring cost. The economics in the pilot and the scale of version roadmaps need to factor this in, need to factor this non-recurring cost, which you have to incur at the inception of your blockchain project. What are you entailing? And the last one that I have here is on the human resource constraints. Now, as in any emerging technology, we do not have enough evangelists, not enough champions, not enough developer community or the tech talent to ensure the implementation. And now you couple it with the lack of the regulatory uncertainties to get a bigger picture. But then, as with most of the other things, it's a chicken and egg thing. But still, these things need to be kept in mind when you are undergoing a blockchain project. So before I wind down this episode, let me make a quick recap of the, quick, uh, of the key learnings from some of these projects pursued by Niti Aayog India. The first, sanctity of the single source of truth. Second, the suitability of atomic versus the non-atomic transactions. Third, you need to have a clear shared view of the requirements for the requisite project success and outcomes. Next, 
And integration with the legacy systems is not a choice, but it is a given requirement for the adoption at scale. Then, smart contracts are not a silver bullet. It has limitations. Next, there is an initial cost of implementation. Keep that in mind. And lastly, we have some human resource constraints. So this is all for this episode. And uh, if you do have any of your own learnings or experiences in the blockchain projects and would like to share in this forum, after all, we do all learn from each other, please do let me know. Till then, stay safe and stay healthy. Cheers. You've been listening to The Blockchain Hustle. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, please do leave a short review. Like it, share it, download it, subscribe to it. What should I talk about next? Please do let me know your suggestions by writing to me at minu at vlsiconsultancy.com or through any of the other contact channels as shared in the episode notes. Thank you.